This morning's Bible reading is Psalm 118. It can be found on page 495 of the English Bibles and page 1002 of the Chinese Bibles. Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better take, to, to trust in the Lord, to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Feel like I've been well set up and I hope that we can all uh, enjoy this morning as we come to a passage that is just so completely unashamed uh, in the way that it directs our attention to the goodness of God. My name is Mark Hadley and I don't regularly preach here. Uh, it is therefore a great pleasure to talk to you this morning. We're bringing to an end the Portraits of the King series and I have the chance to do the last sermon in that. Uh, but before we get there, how about I pray so that we can all see if we can gain something from what God has to say to us this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray, please, that you would open our hearts now, that you would make us receptive to the message that your spirit brings. We pray, Lord, please, you bless me that I might have the right words to say, and Lord, that we might all have ears to hear them. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, how many 
of you have had to sit through the Lego movie. And I say sit through rather loosely because basically I really enjoyed that film. Can I have a show of hands for the Lego movie? Oh, no, nowhere near enough. The rest of you have such a fantastic time ahead of you if you ever see that film. Um, kids, does anybody remember the name of the main character? We watched this, the short video. Emmett. Okay, so this is Emmett was the character. He had a list of instructions for fitting in. Uh, personally, I like step nine, wear clothes. This is actually an instruction we have used constantly in our house with three boys. Wear clothes when people come over, please. The, the psalm that we're looking at this morning is actually a list of great reminders. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where you have someone in your life who is a repetitive instruction deliverer. Uh, there's usually one in every house, someone who's very good at repeating the same instructions over and over again. Now, they might be reminders like put on clothes or uh, have you got your keys is a good one. Have you got your keys is said at least 20 times a day in my house. Um, it could be a warning. Watch out for that step. We're never going to get around to fixing it. Please watch out for that step there. Um, or it could be an encouragement. You know, make sure you see that movie. That's a great movie. Have you seen that movie yet? The only thing I want to talk about is when they catch Have you seen it yet? David is doing something very similar for us in Psalm 118 this morning. He's actually got an instruction for us. It's a reminder. It's a warning. It's an encouragement so that we remember an important piece of information which is going to make all the difference. I really hope this still works now that I've knocked the back off. Here we go. Surprise, it does. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, this instruction that David gives us, it's almost like I'm going to cut to the end of the sermon now, will basically save us from worry. It'll protect us from doubt. It'll give us peace in the present. It'll give us a hope for the future. And you might wonder how that all works out, and that's what we're going to spend the next few minutes discussing. But David repeats this instruction, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever, in 13 different ways all the way through the psalm. I'm not going to go through it, but you can get an idea from that just how important he thinks it is to give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love endures forever. Uh, and as I said, a bit of a, uh, a spoiler, this is basically the message of the sermon today. So if you have an opportunity to just dwell on that verse, you've done well. David says we're supposed to live thankful lives. I don't know how thankful your life is. It might sound very easy. I'm a very thankful person. I find it easy to thank God or thank others for the things that are going on around me. And then sometimes you might find it completely different because it kind of depends on the weekend, doesn't it? Or the day that you're having, that particular time of day, the hour as to how thankful you are. In fact, I'm not even really sure how thankful you are right now. You could be asleep in bed. You might be reevaluating that 10.45 is a better time to come to church. <laughs> you might be kids contemplating that school starts tomorrow. Parents, that might be something you're thankful for, that school starts tomorrow. I understand that. But David tells us not only what to do, but he shows us how to remain thankful by dwelling on the goodness of of God. So that's our starting point today, and we're going to begin by considering the goodness of God in the life of David. 
When uh, I read this psalm through, it reminded me strongly of another favourite story I have by a fellow called John Bunyan. I don't know if you've read Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, kids or adults, this is a fantastic read. I thoroughly recommend it. One of my favourite scenes in Pilgrim's Progress is about the character Pilgrim who's on his way to the celestial city and he goes through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, and there are lots of trials he goes through in that valley. But as he gets to the end of it, he climbs up the slope on the far side and he turns around and he looks back. And the weather clears a little because there have been mists all over the place. And he sees all of the trials that God has taken him through. Uh, but then he also sees all the ones he didn't even know were there that God also delivered him from. And rather than actually concentrate on all the bad things that he had to go through or has gone through, he bursts into song thanking God. And that's basically what's happening in Psalm 118. You see, as David looks back on his life and thinks about what God has done, the character of God becomes clearer to him. I don't know if you have the psalm open in front of you, uh, but if you looked at verse 5, you'd realize that he's reflecting on the fact that God listens. And on verses 7 and 13, that God helps. And that in verses 8 and 9, that God is his refuge. And in verses 10 to 14, that God is his strength. Let me read that out for you. All the nations surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side. But in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. So is it any wonder then that David says, give thanks to the Lord? For he is good, his love endures forever. And from listening to David, we learn an important spiritual principle. This is something that you really need to take into today and tomorrow. And that is that if you want to be a joyous person, you've got to look back if you're going to look forward to your walk with God. You've got to look back if you're going to be able to look forward to your walk with God. You see, our awareness of past deliverances affects the way we walk with God today. So you've got to look back if you want to look forward to your walk with God. Thankfulness is the path to joyfulness. Have you wondered that some people seem to approach their life with much more joy than you or me? Thankfulness is the path to joyfulness. And that's what David displays in Psalm 118. So you've got to look back if you're going to be able to look forward to your walk with God. I don't know if you can do that. Do you want to practice it? I always find that somebody gives me a lesson and sometimes the best thing I can do to learn it is to practice it. Shall we practice it right now? How good are you at thanking God? Let, let me try for you. I'm Literally, I've not prepared this. I'm just going to think back. Let's see, yesterday... Yesterday, I had a huge amount of things on my plate. I, I woke up worried and concerned. And before I could get out of bed, my wife said to me, let's read the Bible together. And I thought, wow. So we read the Bible together and my mind was set differently for the day. You know what? I can thank God for that because he placed someone next to me who would remind me about him. 
there's a God who's always looking out for me. Can you think of one thing yesterday in your head that God has done? Maybe you're struggling with that. You know, actually, I understand if you are, because some days it seems the goodness of God is completely obscured. Well, let me give you this. You're here. You're alive. It's no small thing. The world has passed another day and some people can't say as much. The goodness of God has carried you this far, at least as far as the sermon this morning to hear about the goodness of God. It actually reminds me of a passage in Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. And what does that tell you about God's character? Well, it tells you that even though you cannot feel what is going on in your life, the goodness of God that might surround you, God is still there. And he is still enduring in his love for you. You've got to look back. If you're going to look forward to your walk with God, the key to having joy in your Christian life is not learning as many Bible passages as you can, even though that's a great thing. The key to joy in your Christian life is not devoting yourself to service, even though I think that's a noble goal. The key to joy in your Christian life is knowing God. This is how John Piper puts it in his book, Desiring God. Knowledge about God will not do. Work for him will not do. We must have personal, vital fellowship with him. Otherwise, Christianity becomes a joyless burden. You see, David relates everything that has happened in his life to God, and he sees that as evidence that God cares for him. And David gets to know God better. He sees his character and the things that are happening around him. And most of all, he sees that God is good. And that drives his personal, vital fellowship with God as he moves through the day. So you've really got to look back if you're going to look forward to your life with God. And what can that look like in particular? Is there any particular thing that we should be looking back on, maybe remembering more than anything else? Well, actually, Psalm 118 has a hint for that too. See, Psalm 118 is something of a, a mystery psalm. It has lots of it that is clearly about David and then other parts that don't fit so well, as if God is guiding him to add additional detail that we might actually discover. Uh, it's kind of like a mystery, kid. so I don't know if you've ever had mysteries in your house. Sometimes uh, mum says, what happened to all of the chocolate cake? You know, like mum spent a day cooking, put all the cake, you know, had cake she thought she was set up for the week. What happened to all the chocolate cake? And you might want to follow the clues through. You might want to ask yourself, who was inside and had access to that chocolate cake? And you might go into the kitchen and you might ask yourself, is there any evidence here I can find that might suggest what happened to the chocolate cake? <laughs> is there anyone I can speak to who might tell me what happened to the chocolate cake? Well, in Psalm 118, there's a mystery and the clues are there for us to find. In Psalm 118, it's written largely about David's life, but thousands of years later when Jesus' disciples read Psalm 118 over, they could see that the Holy Spirit had moved David to put down clues that would point to the greatest good God would ever do. So in Psalm 118, if you've got it turned up, have a look at verses 26 and 27. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God and he has made his light shine on us. With boughs in hand, which basically means branches, with branches in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. And Psalm 118 is what the people of Jerusalem grasped and used when they welcomed Jesus into the city. So later in Matthew we read, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna is a pretty funny word. I don't blame you if you don't actually know it. We can actually have it in songs, be singing it confidently sometimes in church and have no idea what it is we're saying. Um, Hosanna is a Hebrew word that means saved. You see, the people are literally shouting, we've been saved. Here's David's descendant, the saviour who comes in the name of the Lord. And Psalm 118 contains something even more amazing to thank God for. You can find it, have a look at verses 22 and 23. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. I don't know if you know what a cornerstone is. A cornerstone is just not a part of the foundation of a building. It's actually a very special stone because all of the lines of the building are measured off that stone. So it's not just the first part, but it's also the part that gives definition to everything else that follows. Now, David was a stone that was rejected. You know, when the prophet Samuel came to anoint God's chosen king, uh, David's dad didn't even think it was worthwhile bringing David out. You know, but he was the one that God chose. And likewise, there is a real cornerstone in Psalm 118 who's referred to, and that's King Jesus. You see, the religious leaders of his day didn't think that the salvation Jesus offered was anything special. They'd worked out how they were going to be saved. I don't know, you might, this might sound familiar to you. Just do as much good as I can. Just follow as many rules as I can and I'll be saved. But that wasn't going to save them. In fact, actually, our world today doesn't look at Jesus as much of a cornerstone either for their salvation. Basically, because most people in our world today just don't feel like they need to be saved. Does this sound familiar to you? I'm good enough. I've done the best I can. If I ever stand before God... He'll understand. But instead, Jesus takes hold of Psalm 118 when he wants to describe how wrong people are and how amazing God is. So in Matthew 21, he says, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. You see, if we want to remember how good God is, we only need look back to Jesus. Because you see, Jesus is the Son of God who laid aside his glory to come down to save us. And Jesus is the compassionate Lord who has space not only for every one of us, but everyone who thinks they're just unworthy. Jesus had space for them. And Jesus is the saviour who willingly laid down his life for people who'd spent their lives ignoring God. 
And Jesus is the triumphant king who defeated death and rose from the grave, establishing a kingdom that will never fade. If we want to remember how good God is, all we need to do is look back to Jesus, who is the cornerstone of the salvation we do not deserve. My occupation actually takes me uh, around the country, around the world a bit, uh, and I get to come in contact with a lot of different Christians. Uh, and once, actually, I met a pastor from Western Australia, who's a truly amazing fellow, South African fellow called Dwayne Olivia. Um, now, Dwayne struck me as a powerful preacher. I think the preaching here is marvellous, uh, but Dwayne's preaching was incredible, not because it was just based on the Bible and, and led me to God. That was amazing enough, and we get that here as well. But he was just so full of passion, such conviction in everything this man said. His heart was so clearly resting on the goodness of God. And I wondered what fuels this passion. I actually got to chat to him, and he told me he had a habit that three days out of every year, he would say goodbye to his wife and to his family, he would just go off somewhere, and he would read the Gospels through from beginning to end. Now, I thought he was just being a theologian, you know, um, just get familiar with those passages again. I said, is that what you're doing? He said, no, I just want to fall in love with that man all over again. Jesus is amazing, and Dwayne understands where joy comes from. And David understands where joy comes from. And I wonder if you do. It's found in knowing God and by reminding yourself that God is so good and that the cornerstone of joy is looking back at God's deliverance through Jesus so that you can come forward to have a life with him. God is so good. And once you understand that, what God has done through Jesus, well, you know, good just doesn't seem to do him justice. I don't know if you've had one of those opportunities to see the goodness of God in your life. Um, I think we're too easy on ourselves. We forget them too quickly. But I remember an event that happened in my life where I just got this tiny glimpse into just how generous God can be. I was young. I was living away from home. I, had a, I was studying and I had a part-time job. and I really did not have much money. Um, it was a particularly bad week. Uh, we'd had lots of bills and lots of things coming in. And, and I went home uh, and I just sat at my desk and I started laying all these bills out. Uh, maybe you've done this. Uh, and in some perverse mood, I actually took a piece of paper and started writing down exactly how much I owed. Um, I had car repairs. I had water bills. I had fees to pay. I had to buy food. I needed petrol just to get to the job that was not actually paying enough for me to keep life and soul together. Um, I even wanted to buy a birthday present. It was somebody's birthday. And you know what I'm saying? You have that desire to be generous, but you just don't have the means. And it all seemed like such a world away. And I tallied up how much I needed. And then I looked at how much I had in the bank, and I minused one from the other. And the total was I was basically $1,200 short. Now, $1,200 for a person who earns $7 an hour is a lot of money. And I remember thinking, God is good? Not really. <laughs> At that point, I was kind of bitter because I was struggling and I didn't know why. I didn't feel like I'd done anything wrong. 
And so I opened the rest of the mail that had been piled in that day and advertorials and things you really didn't want to read. And the last thing, you sort of save sometimes the good things to the end. It was a letter from some friends. Uh, and they'd moved away a while ago and they were trying to settle in a different state. Uh, and I read this letter and they were telling me that it was six months they'd still not found a decent church to go and worship at. And I really felt for them that. And they told me that they'd been praying through this, so they didn't want to be unfaithful to God, and so they'd been putting aside their tithe all this time. And they wondered if I would like it. <laughs> I, I looked at the back of the letter, and there was a check, and it was attached. It was for $1,400. I photographed that check. I've lost that photograph, I'll be showing it to you now. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I dropped it like hot lead because the goodness of God was so obvious and I did not deserve it, but it was still wonderful. You see, God is not satisfied with showing you his goodness just through your day-to-day -day problems, even though that's a marvellous thing. And God is not satisfied even from saving you from your sins, even though we deserve destruction. No, God goes one step further. We were once far away from God, and now we've been brought near by Jesus' blood, and now we're no longer foreigners or strangers, but members of his family. That is goodness. We are part of God's household. As Ephesians puts it, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built up together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see, our future has changed because of the goodness of God. We haven't just been saved from our sins. We've been selected for an even greater purpose. Like carefully selected stones, we, together with all his people, are being built up by God along the lines laid down by Jesus. And the design, well, the design is a new dwelling place for God. Not simply are we going to live with God for eternity, but God is going to live in us from the day you ask him into your heart and forevermore. I remember the first time somebody said to me, God is good. It wasn't well received. It was a text and it felt a bit like a cliche. My best friend um, texted me, uh, God is good, on a day that God didn't seem that great. Uh, and he kept on sending me texts like that through that day. Uh, and in fact, for the last few years that I've known him, he honestly seems to send me once a day the reminder, God is good. And there are times when I've received God is good and I've been a bit annoyed by it because it's felt a bit like a cliche because it's not really real to me that day. And there are times when I've really wanted to feel that God is good, but God seems to be more absent than good. And I wonder where his goodness is. But the texts keep coming and I started to realise something, that there might actually be a connection between how joyous that guy is and the fact that he is so focused on the goodness of God. The same text has come to you this morning. You have been texted through the word of God. David has written down, God is good. And however you're feeling, 
God is good, is the message for you this morning. I've come to realize that God is good is not just a phrase that I use to brighten up a grey day. It is a phrase I can hang my entire calendar on. If you want to see it, if you want its truth to give you joy in your Christian life, well, you have to remind yourself. Thankfulness is like a muscle. It needs to be exercised. It needs to be maintained. You've got to look back if you're going to be able to look forward to your walk with God. You've got to look back at the way God daily delivers you, just like David was doing, and see that God is good. You've got to look back at what Jesus has done to deliver you from sin and see that God is good. You've got to look back at the new identity God has given you and see that God is good. And so we say with David, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's pray. Holy and heavenly Father, you are good and much better than we deserve. Please open our eyes to your daily mercies and in particular the mercy of Christ that sees us set aside to be with you for eternity. And we might take hold of that goodness and it might change our hearts that we might express our joy to you. In your son's name, amen.